My sermon this morning begins in Egypt, in a place and a time far removed from today's political upheaval. It begins with a tale worthy of the Arabian Nights. In December 1945, Egyptian Falin rode their camels out to the Jabal al-Tarif, a huge cliff near the Nile River, honeycombed with caves. They came in search of sabak, a natural fertilizer they used to nourish their crops. Hobbling their camels at the foot of the cliff, the men began to dig in the soft soil around a massive boulder resting against the cliff face. Striking something hard, they swiftly uncovered a red earthenware jar nearly a meter high. Fearing that the jar might contain an angry jinn or spirit, the men hesitated, but at length, the legends of treasure buried in the caves of the Jabal Artarif overcame their fear. Muhammad Ali al-Saman raised his mattock and smashed the jar with a single blow. Golden dust, he swore afterwards, flew out of the jar and vanished into the air. The men searched the shards of pottery but found no gold, only some old books bound in cracked leather. Disappointed, Muhammad Ali carried the books and loose papers home and dumped them on the floor near the oven. For several nights, his mother fed the fire with sheets of the papyrus. The remaining texts, after a tortuous journey through the black market, were eventually identified by scholars as Christian gospels missing for nearly 2,000 years. These manuscripts, called the Nag Hammadi Library after the nearest town, opened a new window onto the teachings of Jesus of Nazareth and the movement, or rather movements, he inspired. After the crucifixion of Jesus, his followers struggled to make sense of the sudden end of their leader's life and ministry. Some insisted he had not died at all, but had been resurrected and raised into heaven. As the church grew more formally organized and the authority of its priests and bishops expanded, an orthodox belief system evolved that declared Jesus the divine Son of God who died for our sins, the Messiah of Hebrew prophecy, a miracle worker who raised the dead and preached an impending apocalypse. Determined that the church speak with one voice, its leaders denounced alternative views as heresy. Heretics were persecuted and excommunicated Many were killed, among them early Unitarians and Universalists. History, the saying goes, is written by the victors. The Orthodox version of the Jesus story became the New Testament. The heretical version was buried, some of it under the great cliff at Nag Hammadi. The books Muhammad Ali al-Saman uncovered turned out to be the scriptures of the early Christians who called themselves Gnostics, from the Greek gnosis, which means knowledge or knowing. 
implying direct knowledge of God. As Elaine Pagels has pointed out, a more accurate modern translation might be insight, because gnosis demanded profound inner reflection. To know oneself, the Gnostics taught, was to know God. Where Orthodox Christians held that God is transcendent and alien, Gnostics asserted that the self and God truly understood are one and the same. For Gnostics, Pagels explains, exploring the psyche became for many explicitly what it is for many people today implicitly, a religious quest. The most intriguing and accessible of these Gnostic scriptures is the Gospel of Thomas. Transcribed in Coptic, a late form of Egyptian, the original was probably in Greek, but some scholars believe it may have been Aramaic, the language Jesus himself spoke. Although it was likely compiled in the second century of the Common Era, Professor Helmut Kester of Harvard Divinity School has suggested that its sayings may predate the Gospels of the New Testament and thus bring us perhaps closer to the actual teachings of Jesus. The Gospel of Thomas offers us a Jesus strikingly different from the icon many of us were taught in Sunday school. This Jesus works no miracles, proclaims no apocalypse, and dies to redeem no one's sins. This Jesus insists that his own divinity is no different than yours or mine. Rather than a messiah or demigod, he is a teacher of wisdom, a guide to divine understanding. His gift to us is not a catechism of belief, but in Pagel's words, a method, a method of attaining oneness with God. The secret revealed by the Gospel of Thomas is that we've been looking for God in the wrong place. God's kingdom, it proclaims, is not somewhere up in the sky, nor some time in the future, but in the here and the now, and in every human heart. In this gospel, Jesus preaches, if your leaders say to you, look, the kingdom is in heaven, then the birds of heaven will precede you. If they say to you, it is in the sea, then the fish will precede you. Rather, the kingdom is inside you, and it is outside you. The kingdom of God this Jesus says, is already spread out upon the earth and people do not see it. We must seek God within ourselves, he insists. When you know yourselves, then you will be known and you will understand that you are children of the living Father. But if you do not know yourselves, then you dwell in poverty, and you are poverty. His God is a God of light, and the divine light shines forth from each one of us. This Jesus teaches 
If they say to you, where have you come from? Say to them, we have come from the light, from the place where the light came into being. If they say to you, is it you? Say, we are its children and we are the chosen of the living Father. In another Nag Hammadi text, the dialogue of the Savior, the disciple Matthew demands to see that place of life, which is pure light. Jesus answers, everyone who has known himself has seen it. But if each of us has this divine light within us, why do we need a savior? According to the Gnostic Jesus, we don't. In the Gospel of John in the New Testament, Jesus declares, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. In the Gnostic Gospel of Thomas, Jesus employs the same image, but turns it on its head. There is light within a person of light. He says simply, and it shines on the whole world. This Jesus is not a savior, but a teacher. In his humility, he disclaims even the role of teacher Parallel accounts in the canonical Gospel of Matthew and the Gnostic Gospel of Thomas provide a dramatic contrast. In a famous passage from Matthew, Jesus asks his disciples, who do you say that I am? When Simon Peter replies, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God, Jesus replies, you demand, or the equivalent in Aramaic. And I tell you, you are Peter, he exclaims, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. In the Gospel of Thomas, the story unfolds very differently. Jesus asks his followers, compare me to something and tell me what I am like. One says, a just messenger. Another, a wise philosopher. Still another, a teacher. To which Jesus replies, I am not your teacher because you have drunk. You have become intoxicated from the bubbling spring that I have tended. All of us, he suggests, partake of the same divine waters. All we have to do is drink. Rather than pointing his disciples towards a coming apocalypse, the Gnostic Jesus constantly brings them back to the present moment. When they want to know how the end will come, Jesus answers, have you discovered the beginning then so that you are seeking the end? For where the beginning is, the end will be. When they say, tell us who you are so we may believe in you, Jesus replies, you examine the face of heaven and earth, but you have not come to know the one who is in your presence. And you do not know how to examine this moment. Know what is in front of your face and what is hidden from you will be disclosed to you.
This Jesus speaks with the poetic brevity of a Zen koan, incisive and bracing. If you bring forth what is within you, he says, what you have will save you. If you do not have that within you, what you do not have within you will kill you. If his disciples are asked for evidence of the divine in the human, Jesus advises them to answer, it is motion and rest. Split a piece of wood, Jesus says, I am there. Lift up the stone and you will find me there. If those lines sound vaguely familiar, maybe you heard them in the 1999 Hollywood movie Stigmata. The screenplay used the Gospel of Thomas as the model for the suppressed manuscript that causes so much trouble for Patricia Arquette and Gabriel Byrne, not to mention the Catholic Church. To Thomas' Jesus, the kingdom of God is a metaphor for absolute non-duality. When you make the two into one, he says, and, and when you make the inner like the outer, and the outer like the inner, and the upper like the lower, and when you make male and female into a single one, so that the male will not be male, nor the female be female, then you will enter the kingdom. Another Gnostic text, the, the Acts of John, embraces in a single aphorism the four noble truths of Buddhism. Learn how to suffer, and you shall be able not to suffer. Similarities between Gnosticism and Hindu and Buddhist teachings have led some scholars to speculate that the Gnostics, or perhaps Jesus himself, were influenced by Indian and Asian travelers to Palestine. Stories persist that Jesus journeyed eastward during the unchronicled years of his youth and early adulthood, and that some of his disciples trod the same path after his crucifixion. Whatever their influences, the Gnostic Gospels were anathema to Orthodox Christianity. The church hierarchy felt understandably threatened by a movement that championed direct experience of the divine rather than priestly mediation, that taught salvation through self-knowledge rather than through Christ's crucifixion. And so the church fathers denounced the Gospel of Thomas and other Gnostic texts as heresy. One theory holds that the monks of St. Paconius, a monastery within sight of Jabal al-Tarif, kept these writings in their library. In the year 367 CE, Athanasius, the powerful archbishop of Alexandria, ordered a purge of books with heretical tendencies. Perhaps one of the monks, fearing the destruction of these precious teachings, sealed the manuscripts in a jar and stole away to bury them beneath the great cliff where they rested undisturbed for 1,600 years. As Unitarian Universalists, we are free to understand Jesus according to scriptural text, scholarly interpretation, historical evidence, the Holy Spirit, our own inner light, or any authority we choose. 
We are free to worship him as divine, admire him as a teacher, or dismiss him as irrelevant. But like it or not, all of us as residents of the United States of America today are in conversation with his legacy. The manuscripts unearthed 65 years ago by Muhammad Ali al-Saman add startling and intriguing detail to a portrait of a different Jesus. Muhammad Ali found no gold in that shattered jar, but what he found continues to challenge and inspire us to rejoice in the present moment and to discover the divine within us and all things. Amen and blessed be.